You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Renewed You Podcast. I'm your host, John Yule, and I'm so glad that you are with us today for another encouraging episode on how getting healthy mentally, physically, and spiritually will help you to live your best life. And I am glad to have back with us on this episode my number one A grade, you know, I'm trying to think of, of the egg cartons, man. You know, you got grade A, you got large, oh. you got extra large. I don't know what but my buddy uh, Jeremy Griffin is with us today. Hey, <laughs> hey, Jeremy. Hey, I, I'm going to go with triple A, extra, extra large, grade A. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man. How are you doing, Jeremy? Everything going well in your world? Yeah, it's going good, man, you know just living life doing 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 the thing doing the thing right well jeremy <laughs> we've got a friend of of ours that's with us today um i've known this this guy for quite a while and i'm excited for us to hear his story and see where god might take our conversation today and that is my friend pastor um uh painter uh youth worker uh dude you do a lot of stuff man uh steve cowan is with us how you doing steve hey doing great thanks for having me Hey man, I'm glad that you're here today. And uh, man, it is like—is it windy oh. in your side of the metro? Oh man, yeah, it's um, oh, it's it's horrible. I mean, thank goodness no trees or or fences were knocked down where I was, but a few were. So it's crazy windy. It is crazy windy. I walked outside today and went to take my trash out, and I was not happy with the wind yesterday oh. this morning i had to change my tune because the wind because of how our house sits the wind kind of comes in and it circles around it raked up all my leaves i had all these leaves in this really really nice huge pile and i just looked at it and was like dad gummit i can't curse the wind today it actually helped me out man so well, maybe good. it's not my all umbrellas bad. made it through all of this that was the thing that i felt good about your umbrellas wow. in your backyard the, the, Yes, wow. the anchors did an amazing job. They're not even loose, bro. Seriously, that's impressive. I mean, I know. I was shocked. I don't know how I was ready. I don't know how big the winds were where you were, but you know, there's parts of the Oklahoma Oklahoma area had 74 mile an hour winds yesterday. Wow, that's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, that's stormy. It is stormy. Well, anyway, hopefully it's not as windy wherever you are or whenever you are listening to this edition of the Renewed You podcast. Of course, Renewed You is proudly sponsored by New Life Church, and we would encourage you to check us out at newlifeokc.org to find out more information and connect with us online. Steve, again, yeah. glad to have you today. Why don't you tell us about yourself? Start at the beginning, man. I mean... Just tell us, tell us your story. Just from, just from the get go, huh? Yep. Okay. Well, I just, um, well, first of all, I just want to tell Jeremy that I think Johnny was trying to tell you that you're a good egg. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so, no, I mean, I, I was thinking about that, you know, like my story or how to start off. I, I never really had one of those Damascus road type 
conversions, you know, where an angel just met you right on the right, right on the road. I, I grew up in church. I mean, and I thank God for that. I really appreciate my mom and dad being very faithful in their local church where they were. And, and, and that's where I come to know Jesus. And I always grew mm-hmm. knowing about Jesus and, uh, just always thought if I do good, do right, say my prayers, one of these days I'll make it to heaven. Sure. And that's, that was my goal in life was just to get to heaven, not realizing when, when, you know, when you're full of the Holy Spirit, man, that's like heaven in you. And it's really awesome. <laughs> sure. But that came later in life and got baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 13. Yeah. Um, I don't know how many of your listeners know that, mm-hmm. but that's something else to explain. But, and then felt the call of ministry when I was 18. And that led me to the Bible college where I think that's where you That's and where I we met. met. Yeah. And then through internships and stuff, got a job as a youth pastor. And then in the late nineties, they really pushed like a church planning movement. Yep. And uh, my wife and I, we just felt called to go to Springfield, Missouri of all places to start a church. Mm-hmm. And we picked that cause we thought it'd be a great place to start a family also. Ah, and we knew it was it was like one of the IPHC's target cities. Yeah. Maybe not like like one of the top ten, but it was one of the top ones because there used to be a church there, if I'm not mistaken. And if if I can just kind of tell that story a little mm-hmm, bit, I don't sure. know how much time you got, but but it was um, like I told my my mom and dad on my daughter's first anniversary. In April 9th, I told my mom and dad that we were going to move to Missouri. Mm-hmm. And my brother and sister were already out of state, and I was the last um, child of theirs at home. And uh, and told them, and the thing is, I've been painting with my dad. It was just my dad and I, just the only two painting. So your and dad had a painting company? Yeah. Okay. And that's kind of, so I was born with paintbrush in my hand. <laughs> paintbrush one hand, Bible in the other. And... And I, I would leave him high and dry. Yeah. You know, he'd be the only one. Of course, you know, he's in his 50s and, you know, been relying on me for the past 10 years. I told him that on a Saturday, on a Monday morning, after I told my dad and mom I was leaving to Missouri, my dad gets in a car wreck and breaks his neck. Wow. And then so I'm like, what do I do? Yeah. I mean, I knew God called me, but then now this circumstance came up. Who do I listen to? What do mm-hmm. I do? Is it that? And um, I just decided, you know, whether he broke his neck or not, this is what God called me to do, so I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. And he didn't hold me back at all, nothing, no guilt trip, anything. Some parents would. And Chris and I, we moved a young family to Missouri. And, man, I tell you what, that was a two-year struggle. Yeah. I mean, I I got done re- reading, you know, Purpose Driven Church, Purpose Driven Life. Purpose, yeah, Purpose Driven, Driven Church. Church. Yeah, let's hold on. Now, for those of you that don't know anything at all of what we're talking about, um, Purpose Driven, you, you, probably you've heard of the book, The Purpose Driven Life, written by Rick Warren. Uh, well, before he wrote that, he had The Purpose Driven Church, and yeah. it was about their strategy on how they uh, launched Saddleback Church and their journey as far as moving from uh, the the uh, eastern part of the United States out to California and how they started yeah. their church. So it had a huge impact in the 90s on a lot of guys like you yeah. who wanted to go and start a church. Yeah. So so you'd read that book, you know, uh, and if you read, for those of you that have read the book, you know there was issues that that uh, uh, they had to overcome as they started there in uh, California. So how, how did that impact you with the uh, 
injury to your father well it it a little bit i i just knew that i had to do it and so we moved and i thought you know if rick can do it i can do it <laughs> well there's a challenging phrase <laughs> yeah, I know who hasn't said that right yeah, right well, but I you wrote, know i could if i could be like mike come on how did that yeah. work out you know so and it didn't take me long to realize either rick rick knew something i didn't or uh, my personality is a little more bland than his but yeah but I, you know, I, I did everything I could. Try, you know, we had informational meetings. We even rented a storefront. Did everything we could to try to get that church off the ground for about two years. And I think our biggest Sunday, you know, if you measure crowds, was fifteen. But that's because my family came to visit us for Christmas. Hey, man, that's that's you know. <laughs> so that was you should good. have counted the crickets. That's what they also teach you to do. But it just it just never got off the ground. I mean, I'll just put it that way. It was a struggle. Money got tight. I mean, we really got dead broke. And and after two years, you know, we just just didn't feel like we could carry on the way we were doing. And my dad, he calls me. You know, I call him. He was a confident in me. And uh, he said, you know, if you move back, I'll give you the paint business. <laughs> I thought, well, why didn't you tell me that two years ago before all the struggle? Mm-hmm. He goes, I didn't want to mm-hmm. stop you what God was wanting you to do okay so i moved back and and what i, I want to revisit it can we can we pause real quick because i sure. want to at that point you're uh are you questioning whether you heard god or are you looking at it going well i guess god wanted me to come here and you know do what i did uh no i was really questioning i mean okay. i really went through uh i, I want to say depression but i don't think i was depressed of serious funk if you will mm, and, sure. and um just moved back felt like another failure mm-hmm. i mean i I've, I've even had um denominational leaders um that even asked me if i was even called to missouri huh and it's like wow that kind of hurts <laughs> but uh, and and then so i started questioning myself it's like man I'm, am i even called is this even what i'm supposed to do and we came back to missouri, i mean came back and and to be honest with you, I made in one month painting what I made in over six months income in sure. Missouri. And it's like, well, this is the life then, because now I can afford to buy things. <laughs> and, and it was like even, but it even got so bad, my um, my discouragement that, you know, I'm a big avid reader and I bought all these books. I collect books. Yeah. I didn't even open a Bible, open a Christian book, anything for about three or four years after that. And here I am, an ordained minister that's not even going to a church, feeling sorry for himself, just totally depressed. And I told my wife, I said, we're having a garage sale, sell all these books. Mm, and, yeah. um, and that was, sorry. It's all right, man. Emotional. It's okay. That was a breaking point almost in our marriage. I mean, Krista married me because of my vision and my call for God. And that really hurt her when I said I didn't want to do this anymore. And that's when God started dealing with me in my heart. And um, and I told people, you know, I said, well, if God ever tells me again to start a church, I will. Yeah. And um, her and I, we had a good talk, worked it out. I didn't sell the books, thank goodness, because <laughs> some of them are still good references. Although I don't open that purpose-driven church quite as much as I did before. <laughs> yeah, I went through teasing. that too, buddy. <laughs> no. But it was good. And um, 
And then through other connections, people tell me that, you know, when you are a youth pastor, you really impacted these kids. And it's like, wow. So, I mean, there's, there's, when you're sowing seeds, you don't see the fruit or you don't see the tree that's grown right. after you plant the seed, but you know, the seeds working. Mm-hmm. And that's one of my favorite parables. It's like night and day, night and day. He sleeps, doesn't know what's going on, but then first the leaf, then the blade, then the full ear of corn in the blade. And you, you know, the farmer doesn't know that, but you know, it's happening and that's by faith. So we decided, so, so fast forward 10 years. Hold on. I'm not okay. going to let you fast forward. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're going to dig into this. And so, All right. um, those who are, who follow the renewed you podcast and a lot of our podcasts on the stream grace network, it's about authentic conversations. Okay. Okay. So, uh, let me give you guys a little bit behind the scenes of what goes on, on our style of podcast. There's many kinds of podcasts out there. There's hyper-produced podcasts where they record stuff, post-produce things, add music in, and they create nuances and whatever. Ours are not that way. Ours are just three guys sitting down having a conversation and it's not pre-planned. So everything you're about to hear is real. So we're going to dig for a minute because buddy, there are so many things that I want us to pull out and I want to, I want to give you a chance to talk through on failure. First of all, let's, let's, let's deal with us as ministers and then we're going to zoom out to make it applicable to everybody. Okay. Um, what do you think was the, the thing that drove you to feel like a failure in ministry? Um, I think because the lack of results, the lack of results. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> go, Jeremy. That's big, isn't it? Well, no, I mean, look, it, it's so funny because <clears throat> there was a time where, uh, when I, I felt led to, uh, I was leading worship at a church and I, I was like, okay, I, I can't do this anymore. I just knew absolutely. I didn't believe in anything that was behind it. And so I resigned my post and I got a call from one of my, um, the guys I'd been kind of mentoring in worship. And he said, man, I feel weird because I, I really want to go to work here. I really feel like I'm supposed to, to take your, your spot, but I disagree with so many of the things that I know you disagree with. And, and I said, look, man, obedience is the answer to any of your questions. I said, you're looking at it from the standpoint of, you know, I disagree with all this. The church is crumbling. And I said, maybe God's called you to be there to help it crumble, not, not help it crumble, but help the people as this thing falls apart to be a minister to those people or whatever. And the church did eventually fall apart. But, but the point of that more than anything is, you know, I started thinking about fruit and, uh, you know, here in Oklahoma city, we've got crest foods and I live out in the uh, Choctaw area. And so people go to Crest and they may think Crest Foods has got the best fruit or the best vegetables over the other places. None of them have been to the farmer's market. You know what I'm saying? So I think we get used to judging our fruit by what we have in standard fruit. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so it's like, when we look and the only way to judge to me and maybe I'm just kind of fast forwarding to a point, which is unfortunate if that's the case. <laughs> but for me, the biggest deal is like, look, did I do what God told me to do? I can't look with just like a basketball career, right? I mean, every player has a bad game. What's the body of work? They don't end up in the Hall of Fame because of one game. They don't get out of the Hall of Fame because of one game. And, you know, every every shot can be a failure. Every game could be a failure. It's It's all a matter of the whole body of work. And I think at the end of the day, 
we have this problem of judging moments in time and and seeing them as black and white we failed or we succeeded and and the thought of success is maybe more dangerous than the thought of failure why do you think the thought of success could be more dangerous well because if i see that i failed then that means i succeeded exactly yeah well i i think for you um just knowing what you've said so far um i think there's everybody whether you are in ministry or in business or in a family or whatever it is really easy to have a dream have a desire um and then when things don't go as you desired the outcome to be to begin to question well was did i even hear god is there something wrong with me you know am i a failure and if we're not careful we get stuck in that negative mindset of being a failure um and and it can it can it can almost destroy you i mean this thing almost took your marriage yeah it was it was rough there after coming back i mean you know one i remember one moment and i tell you kudos to my wife she's awesome um but it was we got a knock on our door we're renting a house and um you're still in Springfield. Yeah, at the time. Well, yeah, we're okay. in Springfield, and um, and the um, landlord came, knocks on the door, and we haven't paid rent for a month or so, so mm-hmm. we're past due. And my wife's working, and um, and I'm home that afternoon or that evening, and uh, landlord knocks on the door and he says, "I got to collect, Steve." I mean, and he says, "What do you got?" And uh, I looked, and we had like three hundred dollars in our checking account that mm-hmm. was it <laughs> yeah i mean no more no less and i wrote him you know almost all of it and i just felt like a total failure as a father as a husband as a pastor everything and okay now there's I just there's some reality crying. there though yeah especially for people that you know they've had bad experiences there are people out there that have had bad experiences with church ministers get painted into a bad corner you know you got a few of these guys out there you know uh send me fifty dollars and i'll send you an anointed blanket you know (laughs) that kind of jazz and so but you don't think about the failure not just of well the numbers didn't come but right fear of the feeling of being a failure as a dad as a husband yeah um, whether you're in ministry or not, there are men out there that understand, especially with this pandemic thing that we've been going through, um, struggling to provide for their family, um, feeling like everything that they have that's centered around them um, mm-hmm. is a loss. And that's a real pain. Yeah. And I I was just crying that night and Krista gets home and, you know, and I'm holding her and she says something I'll never forget. She said, I believe in you. And it's like, what did that do? Oh my God, it changed my life. I mean, it made me, because I didn't feel like a man, to be honest with you, because I couldn't support her. But the person that's most dear to me tells me she still believes in me. And that gave me a, you know, gave me a a little, um, a pep, I guess you will, and that's some energy. And, um, and started moving forward, although we still shut the church down and all that. But Mm -hmm. just to know that, you know, outside of Jesus, the most important person in your life tells you that she believes in you. And so I knew that wasn't the issue at that time. It was later on after yeah. Missouri when, 
So what what pushed you over the edge to make the decision to um, we're going to shut this down and we're going to go home? Um, you know, I, I, I don't know for sure. I think the fact I had a um, something to come back to when my dad said he'd give me the painting business. I think that's what pushed me because if I if he hadn't said that, I don't know if I would have. But I I just knew it it was going to be a long struggle and and it was like okay then I can at least because some of my deals you know times money this and that and I you know I care a lot about finances or I did then because I was in my thirties and trying to make ends meet supporting a wife and a kid and we had another one on the way then. Hmm or wife two kids and another one on the way and i thought i gotta find a way to support my family and this isn't doing it yeah so we so that's what pushed us to shut it down and and i felt so bad because i mean we we go to um i get ordained because i wasn't ordained when i started the church i mean i finally got my license when i started and then you gotta wait two years well i get ordained on that weekend the following week i shut the doors to the church <laughs> great way to start huh so i thought man here i am an unemployed or i mean not active minister ordained mm-hmm. minister and then coming back and it's just i mean that was my identity as a as a failed church planner especially when you when you hear all these stories about you know people did this they got thousands coming to the church and and i thought why why am i why is that not happening here and then i realize those are um rare occurrences that's not the norm <laughs> right but, but you you know you only hear success stories and i think it's successful in man's eyes not god's eyes well there's there's truth there and there, wow there's there's there's, there's a whole a lot bunch there, there. jeremy yeah. um i know he hit a buzzword for you yeah uh i i just think you know i'm like you said, there's a lot there. So the, I'm going to have to work backwards because I forgot why I got so excited just like 30 uh, seconds ago. But. Because we, if we're not careful, oh, identity. we, we, identity. we yeah, judge yeah, yeah. what we do as who we are. Right. And when yes. we do that, then our identity rises and falls on the definition right. of what success is. Right. So if success exactly. is all about numbers or attendees or whatever, mm-hmm. well then when those don't, don't hit what we expected well then suddenly our identity is now yeah. taking a hit go ahead i, I had i worked with a, a good friend yeah i have always been a um a second in church i've always been somebody there to support the, the lead guy and and so i was talking to one guy and he everybody always referred to him as pastor blank you know his first name and um and when I would come on staff at a church, I would always tell them, hey, I'm not Pastor Jeremy. I'm Jeremy. Okay. That's that's how I just know me for, from Jeremy. And my reasoning for that, and I didn't get critical of other guys of this. It was just for me personally. I didn't want my identity wrapped up exactly. in that title. Yeah. And so um, I was talking to him one day and we were looking for, we were talking through a, a long-term retirement option. And I said, I think we need to change your title from pastor to founding pastor, which sounds pretty straightforward and simple, right? <laughs> I mean, not a big deal. And he, and he really pushed back on that. And I said, look, my point is, is that there can only be one founding pastor. So if you retire or go off and do evangelistic things, whatever it is, there's always a, a compensated value that can be attached to that title because there is only one founding pastor of a church. And 
and you'll always have it. But if it's just pastor, then there could be hundreds of those. And so um, in the midst of that, he said, yeah, but if I'm not pastor blank, who am I? And I lost myself. I looked at him and I said, well, let me just ask you this. You got two titles to choose from. One is pastor blank or child of God. Which one do you want? Right. You know, and, and so when we get in our, when we gain this perspective that my greatest title is child of God, and in that title, a couple things are true. One, I can never lose that title. I have that title. And I am not going to lose it. I can, my station life changes. If anyone watched the Marvel universe, basically the <laughs> Dr. Strange movie, I mean, come on, right? Right. This whole world was, I mean, they spent, I remember watching that movie going, well, dude, this is, this should be required viewing at all Bible colleges. <laughs> right. Like, because that's the thing, you know, you get your, your identity wrapped up in what you do dancers break their feet they can't dance are they still a dancer i mean no because dancing our titles are usually actions right these are verbs these are things that we're doing you aren't a pastor if you're not pastoring you you're you can be called a pastor but if you're not doing it you're not a pastor and so on and so forth but we can always be child of god because that station isn't dependent on what we do it's dependent on what god did which doesn't change right wow that'll preach it will preach but yeah that's true (laughs) but man you aren't the only one is what i want to get at with you right now you're not the only one that has ever felt like they were a failure because they weren't doing what they envisioned in themselves to do um and so without knowing the ins and outs Mm -hmm. um let me just 100 percent assuredly counteract a lie in your head you were a success because you obeyed what you heard God say, regardless of what happened with the numbers, the hardship, whatever, the fact that you stood there for two years, do you know how many guys would have bailed after six months? Yeah. I mean, I know ministry guys, (laughs) (laughs) Jeremy raises his hand. I know guys that went to one place and when it didn't hit a certain number within a year, they bailed and went someplace else. Um, So the fact that you, did what you felt God told you to do. Yeah. That was the success regardless of anything else. And then if you had not gone there, if you had not faced that hardship, can you imagine your life now without that encounter with her saying, I believe in you? No. And if you had never gone through that hardship, that may never have happened. That singular moment that I know I had a similar encounter like that with my wife and I have held on to that memory so many times in my life. And if we only judge success by the end result, we miss the entire point point of obeying God, which is the journey. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and fruit varies, man. Like when I say that, like, uh, when I went to, uh, and Johnny, I don't, I don't know that I've ever told this story on any podcast, so this will be kind of interesting. But, exclusive. Um, <laughs> ba, 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 ba. We need some exclusive music. Hey, me not having told this story in a podcast is a shocker, it by is. the way. Um, when I went to work, uh, well, I was working at a church in the PH denomination, and I, I felt led to resign, and it was a very amicable thing. There was no bad blood or anything. And the pastor said, you know, where do you think you're going to go? And I said, Colorado Springs. And I didn't know why. 
I had no ties to Colorado Springs. I just felt like I was supposed to go there. But, you know, in my history, I'd never applied for a job. God had always sent people. They'd called me. It was very divine. So I expected the divine. So I sat around for three months waiting for a call that never came from Colorado Springs. And as my time was running out where I needed to find another uh, option, I had an offer on the table that had been there for about a month and I didn't feel good about it, but I, I was like, well, I mean, this is the open door, right? This is how we are so often led. And I, I hope anybody who's listening to this understands that open door um, obedience is is scary and risky and usually a lie unless you got saved yesterday. And then <laughs> it's probably fine. But if you if you hear the voice of God, open door is not the always, always the answer. So and why is that, Jeremy? Because there's always doors opening. Yep. There's always going to be doors open. And, and what mm-hmm. easy way to manipulate you for the enemy exactly. is to just simply open a door. But um, so I, I went to this church. And, and here's the thing. When you've got two churches, for example, they all believe in God. They all are good people. So how do you know which one to go to? You don't, right. don't just go to the open door because they're both open. Anyway, <laughs> um, so I go in and I go to work at this church. And I'm there. My start date get uh, got pressed further and further up and I ended up starting a month before I was originally supposed to the Sunday they announced the following Monday after this after the Sunday where I led worship for the first time and they announced me as the new guy I get a call voicemail from a pastor in Colorado Springs I had not applied anywhere so the divine happened and that voicemail was in you know interested in me coming out and I just I called back and got a voicemail and said that I uh, had accepted another position my heart sank that day because the, the most random thing in the world was some random city that I had never, I'd been to, I guess, once, but it was not, an, you know, there was nothing that was pulling me there. No family, no friends, nothing. And to get a random call like that, and I knew that day I missed God. So what do you do, right? I'm sitting there. I just started a church. My responsibility drive, my uh, integrity said, well, I'm not going to just say, oh, never mind. I got another offer in Colorado Springs. Thanks for announcing me. And it was a legacy church here in the community. I mean, it was a, uh, it would have had a significant impact to do that. Um, and so I stayed there. I stayed there for four and a half years. My wife kept telling me, I really feel like there's something we're supposed to learn here. And I'm like, yeah, listen to the voice of yeah. God and trust it. <laughs> but, but the thing is, it got confusing. This is what I was going to say about the fruit. Some of my best relationships, ones that I have today that are super, super relevant in my life and impactful, I gained because of that time. And so I, I was, you know, I look at it like this. I, God said, hey, well, I, I, analogy, I'm reminded of the movie Armageddon where they're supposed to land at a certain spot on the asteroid and they land in the wrong spot. Sometimes when you land in the wrong spot, you still got to drill and right. it's going to be a lot harder because I've got to go through an iron plate, but that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm so I I don't have a choice now. Here is where I'm at. And I think that this is the thing that we have to understand. Even if man, Steve, when you got to, to uh, Springfield, Mm-hmm. And every time I think of that, I just think, man, you're going into Assembly of God country yeah. there, brother. <laughs> but yeah, every time, <laughs> every time, you know, in that process, when you're in Springfield, let's just assume for a second, and I can't, I can't, but let's just assume for a second that God never wanted you to go to Springfield. Well, you're there. Yeah. And sometimes you're going to drill through an iron plate and it's not going to get you where you need to be, but those experiences are going to grow. Those relationships, some of those relationships, and I mean, I don't know, but some can last for a lifetime. Yeah. And, and it's hard for us to look back and go, 
Like I can honestly say going to work at that church was outside of God's perfect will. It's not what he ever intended me to do. There's no question in my mind, but it doesn't mean that he doesn't work in that. It doesn't mean that I'm no longer doing the work of the ministry right. because I miss that. And what's really confusing is if you talk to the guys and gals that I met there that are in my life now, I'm thinking about Jim Bode is yeah. one that's that I met there. There's no way he would say like in the natural, I think he would because of my explanation, but there's no way he'd say, oh, you weren't supposed to be here because of the impact we have in each other's lives. Well, you know, I think, um, and Steve, tell me what you think about this. Is it possible guys that, um, we forget that the will of God has perspectives? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Oh, of course. So yeah. from your perspective and your perspective, mm-hmm. um, to, different yet similar stories it would be really easy for both of you to look at that and go man i totally miss god but yet other people that you touched or connected with or whatever from their vantage point they're going man you were right where i needed you to be for god to to impact my life through you so again folks here's what i want you to get from this um in this first half of this podcast is we've got to redefine success and Mm -hmm. failure um, and I'm 50 years old and I wish that I would have had this understanding when I was in my twenties. The problem yeah. is, is when you're in your twenties and your thirties, you're very arrogant and it's all about doing something to make yourself known. Yeah. We use Jesus almost as the means by which to make ourselves famous within the church community. Right. But if our goal is really to make him famous, then suddenly obedience is success are you obedient um mm-hmm. and i would i would say that heartfelt effort towards obedience, towards obedience. Yeah. is where the success is because sometimes yeah. we just we're humans and we we don't hear right and it's like that old gps expression you know you make a wrong turn it just recalculates the route you know it's not <laughs> a big deal right. but but the thing is like it, you know, some people use that as an excuse. Well, I was trying to be obedient, and I'm like, no, nah, you're being a chicken butt. You're scared, <laughs> and you didn't want to make this turn. I and so let you know, you got to be honest and real with yourself. But if you're authentically efforting right. to hear the voice of God and obey it, He, dude, you're His kid. How yeah. often, when when Jake goes out to pick up the backyard, I can tell when he's he, he'll miss some things that he needs to pick up. Well, I can see right away whether he's efforting to do it right or he's not when he's not efforting he's going to get scolded when he is even when he makes mistakes and misses he didn't get scolded i go behind him and i pick up what he missed and that's how god treats us we are his kids he loves us when we're efforting to do it right he's like okay well (laughs) you kind of messed up here but it's okay i'll take care of that and we don't even know it jake doesn't know he doesn't know that i came and finished his job (laughs) so you you go through that experience i mean you got emotional a few minutes ago. We yeah. gave you time to get that. Okay, cool. But yeah. <laughs> you, you got emotional because the pain is still there. And that feeling of it is still very, very real, even after all these years. But yet because of that, you and your wife have a reconnection. But now let's talk about the dark age. Okay, you come home. Oh, yeah. And <laughs> I want you to dig into this a minute, okay? I know because of the era that we grew up in. Um and I'm saying this because I've gone through this too. And I've had these same conversations with my wife because I read all the time, you know that, mm-hmm. and I get rid of books right and left now. Like um, we had a house fire several years ago, completely changed my perspective on stuff. I like 
clean, non-cluttered, the least amount that I can have to get a job done. So it bothers her that in a place that I call my office, I don't want a bunch of books or a bookshelf or a bookcase or, or, or anything like that because, and she's told me like, she has said, you're a pastor, you're supposed to have books. You know what? Having books doesn't, doesn't make you do anything. I mean, it just shows that you got a lot of free time anyway. um, Or you found a really good garage sale. Or you look impressive. Yeah, right. (laughs) But I do That's get good. those conversations. Yeah. Um, you said something that I want to jump. I, w- I want to. I want you to dig into. I don't think you meant it like you said it. Uh, okay. Okay. And I'm saying this because, again, man, I did not know this part about your story. Oh, okay. I mean, you started telling me a little bit the other day, and I said, "Stop! I don't want to know anymore. We're going to record this." Um, it's too depressing. No, it's not, I'm man. It's real. Sad. This is this is the crap that makes me so mad at what we have created in the church. Yeah. We put guys up on YouTube and TBN and major networks, and they become the icons that everybody strives to be. But nobody knows the journey. Nobody knows the stuff that's behind the scenes. Um, you get enough information on anybody, and you find out whether it's CEOs of companies or it's mega ministries. If you're not careful, there are people propping them up that make it things look better than it really is. And if you can find people that are going to tell their story like you are, then suddenly the gospel of Christ becomes very accessible to everybody out there. And, and this is one of those, you said, (laughs) quote, (laughs) I'm pretty good at the quoting thing. (laughs) Uh Krista married me because of my vision. Do you really believe that? (laughs) I wrote that down. I was going to, I was going to readdress it. Do you really believe that? No. Um, yeah. And you're right. I said it probably didn't say the way I meant to say it. Okay. But, but my point of bringing that up is not to put you in a corner. No, I got you. But to show that's how we men feel, even with the closest relationship, if we're not careful, we tie what we do to the reason why they're in our life. Because in that moment, we feel yeah. so unworthy. Nothing is good in our life <laughs> that we even mess up our understanding of that relationship. So what do you think you meant by that? Because I've said that comment, not about your wife, but right. I've had that thought about uh, my wife. Well, I think uh, well, what I meant by that is, um, is I've always been a, a dreamer and a visionary ever since we got married and I told her, you know, when we started dating that I was called to be in ministry. I mm-hmm. said, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. I don't know where it's going to lead us, but that's what we're going to do. And she didn't mind because she married and probably best words. I hope this works. <laughs> sounds better. She married a man of God that pursued God because when we first met, you know, in college and I was, you know, looking for God, I mean, just really pursuing him. And I think it scared her when I quit pursuing him. Okay. Does that make sense yeah. now? And and I think that's what she wanted because she wanted a man that would, you know, that would look for God and be the priest of the home. Mm-hmm. And that was my, that was uh, ever from the beginning. That's, that was our whole thing. We're going to raise our kids to love God because we love God. And, and when she realized I was about to give all of that away and not pursue him, I think it started to bother her. 
Okay. Is that where is that where you were? Is not pursuing him, but um, or was it not pursuing the call? Uh, I think it's both, honestly. Because gotcha. I, I, I mean, I, uh, that's a good question. Now that well, because and, and here's yeah. the thing, and and it sounds like you got into ministry at an early age, right? You went to college, then got into ministry. Yeah, uh, I started in full time ministry at 19. And one of the things that I realized, I, I took a uh, unplanned sabbatical after that church where I um, knew I had missed God. When I got done with that, I took about two years off and it wasn't uh, intentional. It's just, I wanted to find the right place to be. But one of the biggest things I realized was my entire bulk, not my entire thing, because I got saved when I was 16. But I mean, think about that. I got saved at 16 yeah. and at 19, I'm in full-time ministry. One, I, I I'm not going to say I shouldn't have been because I really know my heart now, even then, was very much set towards God. But the reality is, is that my entire Christian life was tied to working in ministry. Um, and I didn't see, for me, I didn't feel like I was of value to the kingdom if I wasn't doing what I was called to do. Yeah. And I think the problem with that is, is that again, it ties our value directly to, to what we do, the fruit we bear. We are like ammunition. It has intrinsic value. The, the bullets that I have for my firearms have intrinsic value. They have worth that I could go right now and sell them for X amount of dollars, but they also have worth because they can be used. Our worth isn't about being used. Our worth is about, can we be used, right? This right. is why obedience is so huge. And so, when I learned that God didn't, I, I sat down with my family because we were getting ready to go through some significant trials. I knew God had prophetically told me if I continued down this path, because I'm a kind of a trailblazer kind of dude, if I was going to go down that path, it was going to get rough, not just in the physical, but spiritual attacks, the whole bit. Mm -hmm. And I sat down with my kids because I wanted it to be fair. I had two teenage boys and a younger, um, yeah, I don't know about what time, but I think they were like in the early teens. And my youngest would have been like five or six. But I sat down and I said, guys, this is where dad's going. And here's why. And I want you guys to have a chance to speak to that. And that was the process with my family of keeping them in the loop. It wasn't going to be that they were going to make a decision. <laughs> they weren't going to be able to. Do, but it was like, I need you guys to be aware of this. And I want to give you a chance to speak to it. And of course, you know, the family, the kids, they're all hundred percent. Yeah. Dad, do what God tells you to do. But I think that the thing is, is whether I did or didn't do my value was established. Right. And I think this is the number one problem for people early in ministry is we tie our Christian life. We tie our, our Christ following life to ministry. And we have to recognize our ministry is is just us being us. It has nothing to do with where we're employed, what church we're going to, or any of that crap. Right. Anyway. That's good, yeah. It's funny when you tell people you're a pastor, and they say, oh, or when you tell people you're a minister, they say, oh, yeah, what church, or where do you pastor? Right, that's right. Uh, well, I'm kind of between churches now for the past 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me give you, let me give you uh, an answer that, that we've come up with in our family that I give you freedom to use. <laughs> no, seriously, I'm a minister in the city. The city is your church. Amen. The That's city good. is where you're called. Yeah. You know, it's not that you're called to one, you know, just one place yeah. or whatever. I mean, we've just got to got to find ways to spin that around. I would... And when you are at one place, that doesn't mean that's the only That's place the you're only called place. To. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. I would 
I want to cl- wrap up this this little deal on. Good luck. On, no, no, no. <laughs> I want to wrap up this little deal on the wives. Um, listen, I think what Krista meant, or what what maybe, um, and Krista, I know you're going to probably listen to this. So <laughs> when this podcast is over, I want you to feel free to text me and just let me know if I got this right. Okay. I think what she married is what most women look for in a man. They are looking for a dreamer because dreams mean they're going somewhere. Yeah. And where things struggle is when they feel like the guy that they have tied their life to doesn't, isn't going anywhere now. So the question isn't necessarily the questioning of your love or your ministry or calling. It was just like, Hey, where are we going? You know, and, and I think that's, I don't think my wife, my wife did not marry me because I'm a man of God or because I'm a minister or because I can sing well or preach well. She saw something in me that said, I want to go on his journey. I want to go where he's going. And the times where we've had those kind of conversations, man, mm-hmm. are when she would look at me and say, hey, where are you going? What are you doing? Because to her, she's always known that dreamer person who was always going to go somewhere. And then to see that dream start to dim, what she was, what my wife has done yeah. is she's a little nicer than Jeremy. Um, <laughs> and Jeremy, that's, that's very, Jeremy true. has this fire pit in his backyard um, that I would. Um, uh, yes, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> We need to we need to have you guys over sometime and just all hang out. But um, he's got this fire pit, and and when the embers start to go out, okay, you and I walk over and go get probably lighter fluid. That's what I do. I'm like, whoosh, you know. No, no. Jeremy goes and gets a leaf blower. Oh, cool. And blows on these embers and has the same effect. And I think sometimes our wives in those moments are trying to be that that yeah. wind that's hitting those embers of the dreamer going, Hey, come on, dude. I believe in you. I believe in the dreamer that's in you. Mm-hmm. And it was, I wish I would have come to understand a long time ago, what you now have come to understand and what most men need to understand that women will walk through the worst levels of income as yeah. long as they're going somewhere right. with someone that they care about. And do you think that might be what she was meaning and what you kind of gained from those times? Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head on that one. Because, yeah, even at that time, we, I mean, our income was higher than it's ever been in our life at mm-hmm. that time, and yet the dream was gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not about money. It's about, it's really, I, and I appreciate what Jeremy said. It's about identity. It is about Christ. identity. Yeah. Well, when you look at it like this, the um, and, you know, for those listening, uh, this can be full on misogynistic, and that's all right. Um, women were created as a helpmate. For men if men aren't doing anything they don't have they a don't vision have anybody help with right they they can't help and so they want to help no matter what that thing is yeah. they want to be able to help and if they feel like how do i help they're lost because when you're lost they're lost the vision doesn't have to be grand it just has to exist can you <laughs> are, okay here can, you know what what do i know well i know that we're going down the street after that i'm not sure but when we get there i'll make another decision they're actually super comfortable with that as well yep. but it's when we sit and we're literally just sitting and and here's the best part i'd i'd, I'd up this annie one little bit and just say 
Um, our wives married us because they felt God called called them to marry us. They yeah. did it out of obedience. And so for them, they're, you know, if we go to Ephesians 5, they're trusting that we love them like Christ loved the church. And so when we are sitting there aimless and wondering, that just makes them very nervous and scared because, wait a minute, <laughs> what does that mean for me? Because they put all of their eggs in our basket. Yeah. And so... It's not feeling like we suck or that they don't like us or what all these other things. It's just a little bit of fear enters in because we have been charged with taking care of them one way or the other. I mean, my wife is the primary breadwinner in our Same family here. right now. But but the thing is, it is it is a team effort. Everything we do comes together as a team. It's not always been the case, but it's um, as far as her being the primary breadwinner, but it doesn't matter. My identity is not wrapped up in that. She looks at what we're doing and what I'm doing now as as sowing massive seed into the kingdom, whether it ever, whether it ever transfer translates into massive income or right. not. Yeah. But, but all that just to say, yeah, I, I think that's the key is that our, you know, for because I think for some people, man, vision is scary for them. They, cause they want to lay out vision for the next 30 years and they're afraid of being wrong. Listen, pal, you're wrong. If you've laid out a 30 year vision, you're wrong. You're wrong. You're, Things are <laughs> yeah, not going to go the not, way you planned. You're not yeah. going to get there. I mean, you're just not. But if you lay out, okay, I know that I'm supposed to go to Capernaum. Well, okay, good. Now you've got something to, to <laughs> yeah. go on and then go along. And you think you're supposed to get to Capernaum and all Jesus wants you to do is get on the freaking road because he's got a lot of work for you to do on the road. Right. Mm -hmm. um, That's good. So you come home um, and uh you're you you now started another church yep and um it's going well yeah, right yeah <laughs> so you overcame what you perceived to be a failure in your your crunch time right um how are things going now for you it's going great why I mean, is it going great <laughs> is it going great because the numbers are better than they were in springfield uh well no i mean numbers are better i'll grant that much but it's once again a perspective it's um, just knowing who I am with God, in God, knowing my identity, and knowing I'm in the lane that He's called me to be, and it, it's just it's just fun because it's more about my relationship with God than about what I'm doing for God. Yes, Amen. And that's Amen. that made that's made all the difference. It's perspective. It's like yeah, I, I I know I don't mean to sound you know like I don't care. I do. I mean I love the people I minister to, and and I know they love me too. You know, and I'm up there and it's like, if they don't show up, me and God has a good time. Yeah. You know, because I'm studying him, I'm loving him. And I just want the people in the church to love him as much as I love him. And it's just fun. And I enjoy learning what God's taught me and then sharing it with the people. So what, what did you say as we get ready to wrap up today? What did mm -hmm. you say was the, do you remember what you said? Was the <laughs> uh, thing that made coming back easier do you remember coming back from missouri to here mm -hmm. um just something to come to like mm -hmm. when my dad offered me that it's like it was easy just to shut that down and come to come to a business or security i guess well, i think that's important because anyone who has struggled with failure mm -hmm. needs to know that there is a father who has something for them to come home to amen um, being god and we if we're not careful, man, we get lost in that, um, that valley of failure. Um, and, and we can lose our drive. We can lose our purpose. I mean, I know, I know guys 
who for, I may not even know all the reasons. I just know how things wound up in their life that obviously they hit hard times and man, they lost everything, family, position, everything. And if they would have really just bought into the fact that God, the father has something for them to come home to, he is way more concerned about your relationship with him than he was what you were doing for him. Um, so what would you say to people that maybe struggle with feeling like they are less than, or that they are a failure? Um, how would you encourage them? I would, I would encourage them that, you know, um, probably almost what I heard Zig Ziglar say, you know, failure doesn't define you. It, you know, and last yesterday ended at last night, today's a new beginning. But I'd say it, it doesn't need to define you. Your relationship with Christ is really what defines you. And uh, fa- failure is just like um, I think Jeremy said earlier, you know, like if you say you're a failure, then when you succeed, you say you're a, you're a success also. And what defines failure success, man's perspective, God's perspective is, I believe, success is obedience. Right. And so God wants us to obey him. And that's what I'd say, just whatever God tells you to do, obey it. I mean, don't worry about the outcome. God's God's not worried about the outcome as much as you are. Yeah. And um, just identity is really what changed my life. I agree. who I am. Jeremy, though you've not experienced much failure in your life, what would you say to someone? <laughs> <Shut> <laughs> what would you say to someone who is feeling that way? Uh, well, I've said this for a long time, and it started with my revelation in my. Uh, when I was 20 fighting with my wife that the easiest way for me to be right all the time is to admit when I'm wrong. And all of a sudden, boom, I'm right again. (laughs) It's a wonderful reality. (laughs) So, you know, one of the things I tell ministers all the time is failure is not an option. It's a requirement. You, You can't be successful without failing. You, you've got to understand at that point, I would say if someone's never failed, they've never tried. They've never attempted to do anything. That's an easy yeah. way to not fail, right? Just mm-hmm. sit on your butt and do nothing. Um, but that is the failure. And so the effort, as I said, you know, and, and I mean, Steve knocked it out of the park. The perfect reality is hear the voice of God and obey. This is it. This is the crux of all of life. Yeah. If we just hear the voice of God and obey, everything will work out according to his plan, which is ultimately what we're trying to accomplish. And then, you know, I think maybe as a, an addendum, a second part, do not ever get caught up in letting fruit be the judge of your success. And I always bring up the prophet Jeremiah. Um, if you just followed his life all the way up until the end, your thought process would have been if, if we, cause we have, you know, we get to read the whole book, <laughs> see the yeah. whole life of Jeremiah. <laughs> but if you, otherwise what you would do is you would spend, you would have spent 99% of his life saying, dude, I, you're nuts. If you think you're following God right now, mm-hmm. because all that it has brought you is turmoil, you know, running for your life, the threat of death. But, but at the end we can go, Oh, okay. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, and so, uh, you know, and and one other thing, and I'll be done with my pontification is that God, and I've said this many times, God wants to get you from Oklahoma City to Ardmore by way of uh, Alaska. Alaska. <laughs> That's right. He doesn't. We, if we knew our destination, we would just go there. 
Um, God wants to get us on the path. I said that earlier. He wants to get us on the path because it, virtually every story that you hear about Jesus's miracles were on the way somewhere. Rarely was it when he got there. Agreed. Guys, this has been great. I've enjoyed this conversation. Um, for me, me too, man. for me, failure is failure comes when we allow what we are doing to be the basis of our identity. Um, mm-hmm. And we have really got to understand and get to the place that we know who we are in Christ. The day that I realized God never called me to do anything, even that whole idea. You know what? Um, I was talking with someone the other day about being called to pastor. And I just asked this person, I say, can you show me book, chapter, and verse where that's in the Bible? Because I've looked. I have not found anywhere where anyone was called to pastor, to do this. What I have found is people called to follow. They're called to follow him. And that's the identity. Are you a follower? That's all I need to know. Because if we're a follower, then we're on a journey. And if we're on a journey, then man, that means we don't know where we're going. We're following the master. And if we allow that to happen, then failure isn't based on what we do. In fact, yeah, failure can actually refine you, not define you if you keep connected to the Father. Steve, thanks for sharing your story. We'll have you back some other time. Jeremy, have a great day, my friend. And may God bless all of you that are listening today. Get connected to the Father because the world needs a renewed you. See you next time on the Renewed You Podcast.